0: A well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state. The right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Welcome to another edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. My name is Cam Edwards, and I'm so glad that you are with us on the program today. We're talking with Larry Keene, the Senior Vice President General Counsel of the National Shooting Sports Foundation, about the efforts underway across the United States to aid the people of Ukraine Uh, In terms of getting them arms, getting them ammunition, uh, and getting that stuff from here in the United States over to Ukraine itself, Uh, we talked about this a little bit on Friday, had a a story uh, talking about how the Commerce Department... According to folks who have been trying to get equipment to overseas, has actually been doing a pretty good job of expediting the uh, export licenses that are required. Uh, So let's check in with Larry, find out uh, what exactly the latest is in terms of, you know, getting these millions of rounds of ammunition that uh, companies like Vista Outdoors, Ammo Inc have uh, said that they would like to donate to the Ukrainian military, as well as, uh, you know, the uh, supply of small arms. Uh, bullet-resistant vests and other material. Take a look and a listen. Larry, thanks so much for coming on the program. It's great talking with you today.
1: Always a pleasure to be with you, Cam.
0: And I'm glad that uh, the NSSF is putting out this guidance. I know that um, there's been a lot of talk within you know, the industry itself about uh, what can we do, how can we help. Uh, and so the NSSF, it sounds like you all have been in contact with the Ukrainian embassy in Washington, D.C. to get a specific list of what exactly is needed So those of us who want to help aren't, you know, spinning our wheels, wasting time and energy trying to get stuff that that isn't needed or 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 isn't wanted at this point.
1: Yeah, that well, our phones started ringing off the hook with people looking uh, to be helpful, which is appreciated, obviously. Uh, But also, you want to make sure that you provide the help that's actually needed. So uh, we reached out through uh, some contacts to the Ukrainian embassy in in the United States and were provided with a a list of ammunition and firearms and certain calibers that they were looking for to have donated. So we've pushed that information out to our members um, along with um, information you need in order to be able to secure an export license from the Commerce Department And where the product would get shipped to, ultimately, the end user would be the Ukrainian Ministry of Defense. So hopefully this is helpful. I can tell you the embassy was very appreciative of our efforts to try to help secure them what they need in order to continue to fight
0: for their freedom. Uh, absolutely. I, I'm, I'm, I would expect that they would be. Um, and, and I want to, you know, kind of drill down a little bit on, on what it is that, A, they they were uh, requesting and B, the process uh, by which this works, because, uh, you know, as you mentioned, all of this is going to go through the Commerce Department. Because we're talking basically about small arms, right? Uh, And and ammunition here. So, this is what are the rules between, okay, this is going to be handled by commerce versus this is going to be the State Department uh, or or the Defense Department getting involved?
1: So, um, up until the Trump administration um, pushed out rules moving the responsibility for export licensing from the State Department. to the Commerce Department which is something the industry has been had been working on for a very long period of time um, everything basically used to be except for uh, shotguns and shot shells used to be licensed by the Department of State uh, and it was a very onerous process very expensive and burdensome now with the what's called the export control reforms completed by the Trump administration in January of 2020, basically everything except automatic firearms have moved over uh, to the Commerce Department to the Bureau of Industry and Security, BIS. Still licensed, still regulated, just a different government agency um, and less costly to comply with. But it's still, uh, so they handle the exports. If it's automatic firearms, that still goes through the State Department. So um, in order to export product to uh, to the Ukrainian Ministry of Defense, can't obviously ship directly to Ukraine anymore. It has to go through an export license uh, and the information we provided to industry from the embassy about what to put on the BIS uh, application for an export license and, and where it will go and to whom it will go so that the license can be uh, expeditiously processed by BIS and What we have heard is that they are moving licenses, you know, they're putting a priority on it so Mm -hmm. that it can get to Ukrainian freedom fighters. So we're really glad to see that.
0: How long does it typically take, like when when you're not, you know, when you're not in these extraordinary circumstances, how how long would it normally take to get an export license approved?
1: Well, under state, it could take a very long period of time, sometimes literally months and months, and sometimes in rare instances, years. BIS moves much more quickly. It uh, uh, still gets reviewed by all parts of the government, DOD, state, etc., justice, um, but it's an easier, uh, more user-friendly process. So it could take you know a couple of weeks. Uh, I have heard that BIS is processing export licenses to Ukraine Ministry of Defense in you know, 48 hours or something like that. So that's very, very quick.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, this is just a, a, a dumb question, maybe, but um, let's say you have got a company out there, and okay, we're gonna you know donate X number of rounds of ammunition. Uh, we you, you know you've provided that uh, information uh, for folks to put uh, into the BIS uh, application, but do folks actually need to contact the Ukrainian government in some form or fashion and say, hey, we're sending this to you, or is that unnecessary? All you need to do is fill out this uh, the, the 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 application form and then you can export from there?
1: I think it'd be easier, as you probably imagine, they are overwhelmed. I think it'd be easier if you took the information that we have provided uh, and and what it is they've told us they really need. Mm -hmm. Focus on that. Um, You know, 22 rimfire is is sort of an extreme example, not particularly helpful. And so we don't want to become a burden. We want to help uh, collectively as an industry. So focus on what they said they need. And then the information we've provided to how to go about doing that, if you have particular questions, there's points of contact at BIS that are handling these matters, uh, as well as a point of contact if necessary at the Ukrainian embassy. But I would say, you know, please don't harass the bother the embassy with questions that can be answered by Commerce Department and the folks
0: at BIS. Yeah, and in your alert, uh, you've also put out you know a uh, contact information for folks at uh, BIS. Uh, you know that that uh, if there are any questions, I, I'm I'm curious too, Larry. I mean, you said that you've been uh, the NSSF has been overwhelmed with uh, with 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 questions about this. You know, obviously we've seen. Um, you know, a couple of big announcements: uh, Vista Outdoors saying that they want to they want to donate a million rounds of ammunition. AMO Inc. Uh, saying the same thing. But are are there a lot of companies that that we're not hearing about that aren't getting a lot of press attention that are also looking to to help the Ukrainian people in some form or fashion?
1: Yeah, there are many companies that have already stepped up, but they're not looking. You know, they don't want press attention. They're doing it quietly. Many companies already have existing relationships. With the Ukrainian military and law enforcement from prior contracts, so they're you know they know what to do, they know how to who they have to talk to and how to process it. You can't ship product to Ukraine now. I mean, there were there are gun stores and distributors in in Ukraine, but they're obviously shut down, and all their product, I'm sure, is you know been is being used in defense of their nation. So it can't go directly, and you couldn't find a shipper to ship it you know, through the Black Sea to a port in Ukraine. So it's got to go a different route. Um, but for so for people, and there are many companies I've learned that have already stepped up. There are others that are looking to help. So, and if the, their needs uh, in Ukraine Ministry of Defense change, uh, they will let us know and we will push that information out to members of industry. Some of the larger companies, as I said, already have relationships. They're already, you know, working to move product You know, this has been going on for a little while now. We did know, for example, that 7.62 was was in high demand ammunition. So there were some companies that were already stepping up to help. Um, Some just don't want any press attention for it. And others that, you know, have put out press releases, which is fine. But um, so um, I think the key thing is to help them in the way they need to be helped. Um, Of course, you know, if you don't have the product that they're looking for, I would encourage companies to make donations to, you know, for example, the American Red Cross is uh, set up uh, you know, to collect money for uh, Ukrainian relief, or I think Jim Shepard in his column today had, uh, said that the National Bank of Ukraine was accepting donations as well. Mm-hmm. So there are a lot of ways to help. The industry can help by providing product. Um, and I, I know I've seen some stories about body armor that was not on the list they gave us, but... Perhaps um, that will change, or Kevlar helmets. Um, some you know, material obviously is given to the Ukrainians by the Department of Defense, and some things may be going by what's called um, you know foreign military sales, where the industry sells a product or gives a product to the Department of Defense, and then Department of Defense uh, brings the product over, puts it on a plane, and brings it over uh, and gives it to the Ukrainian forces. And that's a, you know what we're talking about here is you know the general commercial export, um, not through the Department of Defense. So just obviously both are going on, um, and DOD knows how to contact companies if they think they need something to provide to the Ukrainians as well. And and I'm aware that that is actually taking place too.
0: Okay. Um, last question, um, because again, you know, some of the 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 figures that we've heard, you know, thrown around a million rounds of ammunition. Um, obviously, you know, if you got, as you said, if you got, you know, a, a box of a twenty-two long rifle, um, that's look that, that sell it, donate the money uh, to Ukraine if you want to do something to help. But um, what, what what's what, what's what's the scale that we're talking about in terms of? Um, you know, shipping product over to Ukraine. Is there a, a sort of, you know, minimum standard that, that companies should be looking for? Like, all right, I I need to be able to to put out, you know, X number of rounds of ammunition or uh, this many rifles, this many pistols, um, because I can't imagine, you know, exporting one or two of these things is, is yeah. going to be particularly yeah. helpful.
1: I would agree. And so, I mean, if it's not a meaningful shipment, it probably just creates more work. Uh for the Ministry of Defense, and it helps. I'm aware of one manufacturer that uh, at the end of last week, um, you know, indicated that they were shipping a thousand pistols. And you know, you, you've seen the public announcements of, of you know, a million rounds here, a million rounds of 762 there. That you know, uh, ammunition is, uh, you know, in great need, obviously. Uh, but not just any ammunition, it's got to be. Ammunition for firearms that the Ukrainian forces have. So, variants of 7.62 um, is probably highest among them. Um, you know, they're looking for um, sniper rifles and not just the rifle, but the system, you know, that needs to come with the scope, the bipod, and the ammunition, particularly if it's not in one of the calibers they use. So, they're looking for three oh eight Winchester um, and, and other calibers and sniper rifles. If somebody wants to provide like a 338 Lupua, uh, you need to provide the ammunition, not just a gun, right? Because otherwise, they, they, you know, they can't really use the rifle without the ammunition. So Yeah.
0: Man. Last question for you, Larry. Are you aware of the industry responding like this ever before? I mean, is, it, is this unique in your experience within the industry? And, and why do you think we have seen this outpouring of support for Ukraine?
1: Uh, I don't recall ever. You know, the industry has stepped up to make contributions before with natural disasters, hurricanes, things like that, flooding, um, earthquakes, that that sort of thing. But I I don't recall the industry ever um, stepping up in this way. But, you know, we really haven't had a war where, you know, a country invades another country the size of Ukraine. Um, So I'm very proud of the industry for stepping up and helping. And trying to do the right thing to help protect Ukrainian freedom from an you know, unwarranted invasion by um, an autocrat, a dictator. So it's encouraging. And I, as you and I have talked in the recent past, I, you know, I think what is occurring here in Ukraine just demonstrates why it is we have a Second Amendment in the United States. And it's moments like this that really crystallize that. And I hope it for a lot of people in this country. Um- it, you know, it's a wake up moment where they have the bulb go off in their head and say, oh, now I get it. So, um, you know, when you see the Ukrainian government providing weapons to their citizens to fight for their freedom, you know, that's the militia, right? That's the people standing up to protect themselves from a from tyrannical invader. So it, it's really uh, encouraging to see that men, women you know, stepping up to fight for their freedom.
0: Absolutely. So that's why we yeah. have the Second
1: Amendment here.
0: Yeah, anybody who thought that the Second Amendment was an anachronism, was a was a dead letter, it didn't matter uh, in 2022, yeah, just turn on the TV. Uh, Go online. Watch what's going on. Watch these people who, you know, two weeks ago were teachers, were accountants, were were rock stars, were musicians. Uh, You know, uh, I just we have a story uh, we're going to be talking about just a couple of minutes about a uh, a member of the Chicago Police Department uh, who retired quit his job uh, and is now fighting in Ukraine uh, because, you know, he, he clearly sees what's going on as well. Uh, Larry, again, I, I cannot thank you enough for joining us on the program. I know this is not going to be the last time we're talking about it, but I'm glad that y'all are getting this information out there. Uh, so the industry has some guidance on where to go, uh, what to do, what is needed there on the ground. Uh, and I uh, thank you and the uh, other folks within the industry who are helping to keep uh, Ukraine a, a free and sovereign nation.
1: Well, you're welcome, Cam. And thanks for the opportunity to get the word out. And, uh, you know, it's a terrible situation, but um, we need to support people who are fighting for their freedom.
0: Absolutely. Larry Keene, Senior Vice President, General Counsel of the National Shooting Sports Foundation, here with us on Bearing Arms Cam and Company. I really do appreciate Larry joining us on the program. We are going to be uh, continuing to follow what's going on, obviously, not only uh, in Ukraine itself, but uh, here in the United States uh, and the efforts to uh, help aid the uh, Ukrainians in their fight for freedom. Uh, Let's turn our attention now to today's armed citizen story, our good deed of the day and our recidivist report. We will start there with a story out of Tulsa, Oklahoma, where police say an 18 year old was arrested over the weekend, charged in a shooting. Uh, uh, According to uh, police, Jamarcus Richardson was identified after uh, police were able to uh, review video footage of where the shooting happened. The uh, victim shot in the leg and in the hip, uh, expected to recover from his injuries, thankfully. When Richardson was arrested, uh, he apparently told officers that he is currently on probation for a juvenile gun charge mm -hmm, and admitted to using two firearms to shoot the victim on Friday night. Um, You know, we've talked before about the trouble with the juvenile justice system. The uh, uh, number of uh, individuals who, again, go on to commit other crimes, uh, the rehabilitative nature of the juvenile justice system does not appear to be working all that great around the country. There's a lot of talk about what to do in terms of increasing these sentences. Do we uh, start charging people as adults when they are uh, you know, 16, 17 years old? I don't know when Jamarcus Richardson uh, was placed on probation, how old he was. But uh, at 18 years of age now, the bad news for him is that this next Criminal charge is not going to go through the juvenile justice system. Uh, he will be treated as an adult, and something tells me he will not be getting away with mere probation if he is convicted of these charges. Uh, today's Armed citizen story from the Keystone State of Pennsylvania, where a man returned to his home to find an armed burglar armed with one of the homeowner's own firearms. This was a Friday morning. Authorities say the uh, homeowner ended up in a brief shootout with the burglar in Coatesville, Indiana. Uh, police were called out to reports of a shooting. When investigators uh, got there, they were able to talk to the homeowner. who said that uh, he got back to his house Friday morning, found a guy in the doorway uh, holding an AR-15. After a brief struggle, police say, the suspect fired at least seven shots. The victim returned fire with his legally owned firearm. Nobody was struck, neither the uh, perpetrator nor the uh, the homeowner there. Uh, the rifle that was used in the shooting had been stolen, along with the homeowner's PlayStation 5 and another firearm. Uh, so far, that suspect has not been apprehended, uh, but the armed citizen at least is uh, okay. Uh, thanks in part to the ability to uh, protect and defend himself against that uh, armed attacker. And finally, today our good deed of the day from Chicago. It is so rare for us to be able to talk about a good deed. Normally, Chicago is like it's our go-to for the recidivism report. There's always a case out of Cook County where there's somebody who's getting a slap on the wrist. This this story, though, I got to tell you, I'm I'm really really pleased to see it. A uh, Chicago police officer, Harrison Josephowitz has uh, quit the Chicago PD and is now in Ukraine uh, helping to defend that country's freedom. Uh, He spoke with uh, Martha Raddatz of uh, ABC News, uh, who asked him, are you going to be in the fight? And he said, "Uh, me personally? Yeah, if it's needed, I'll be in the fight. She asked, you just quit your job and got on a plane? He said, pretty much. Uh, When Raddatz asked why, Harrison Josephowitz said, well, this is the right thing to do. The uh, former Chicago police officer, Army veteran as well, said, uh, this already has more refugees in Afghanistan, and we cannot sit idly by and watch it happen. I can say that Putin doesn't know what's coming. Uh, He said, uh, there's going to be a very much tougher fight. He said, we're going to see an exponential increase in numbers very shortly here. They're going to be the hardcore battle-trained Americans, Brits, and everybody else in between. Uh, It is unclear whether or not uh, that interview with uh, Harrison Josephowitz was conducted before The Russian military struck that base where some of these uh, Western fighters who have volunteered um, have gathered for training. Uh, We saw over the weekend reports again of uh, 35 people killed, more than 130 people injured in that attack. Uh, And uh, it is believed that uh, some volunteers from Western nations like the United States uh, were on the grounds of that base at the time of the attack. We don't know of any Americans who were killed, but. You know, when uh, uh, individuals like Harrison Josephowitz and, uh, and other Americans uh, volunteer to go overseas, uh, some of them, you know, may be volunteering to serve in a non combat role. Uh, but I think all of them understand that they are signing up to do a very, very dangerous job. And uh, Harrison Josephowitz and all of the other folks there uh, on the ground in Ukraine, uh, my thoughts and prayers are with you guys. And hopefully you're able to return home very safely very soon. All right, that is going to do it for this edition of Baron Arms Cam and Company. I want to thank you for being a part of the program. As always, we will be back tomorrow. I do apologize; we never showed last Thursday because I completely lost my voice. But uh, <clears throat> it's mostly back to normal now and i'm glad to be back behind the microphone we will see you again tomorrow don't forget to check out bearingarms.com in the meantime and if you do like what you see you can always become a vip subscriber just go to bearingarms.com slash subscribe use the promo code gun rights to get a significant savings on your vip membership is our way of saying thank you for your support we're going to give you exclusive news stories analysis content you won't find anywhere else because your support really does make a difference all right until we talk again, be well. Be safe and be free.